Warning, the following episode contains adult language and screaming goats. Listener discretion is advised. The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. This week on the most pinball-y of all podcasts, Dennis and I break down Elwin's 60th anniversary James Bond pinball game with a nice analysis of how a product like this enters into the market. Then we argue about it. Then we consider other viewpoints and analyses, you know, like the best media creators do. We also give our first impressions of the game, our thoughts regarding the now controversial and trending exclusive 007 topper. Craig Bobby's bold predictions for Stern. Spooky Pinball's expansion. Competitive Pinball. Pinball awards are hard. Lazy media screaming, cry, cry, cry. A new evolution of pinball trolls. Pinball market trends. And poor Flippy. Damn, even I'm looking forward to hearing this. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for the Pinball Show. It's Pinball with Personality. What the hell is going on? Thanks for clicking play and tuning back into the Pinball Show. I'm Zach Minnie alongside one of the greatest, most spectacular people in all of pinball he goes by the creasel his name is dennis how in the hell are you my friend well i'm doing pretty good zach and thanks for that really kind open i hear i'm really big in canada (laughs) you're huge everywhere man no i don't know do you get spotted uh, on the streets now at pinball tournaments do people People give you a hard time, good times ever, bad times. Yeah, I uh, well, and I'm sure I'm sure I've shared this before. I thought I shared it on this show, but maybe not. I do remember when you're at at TPF. Uh, this is back when we did the Twip podcast. Mm-hmm. I was walking down the hallway, like to the bar, and some, <laughs> some guy I didn't even see who it was just just yelled out, "Hey, Dennis, pinball market trends!" <laughs> bye, bye, bye. <laughs> It's like the most toxic toxic thing ever brought up to me. Never so long, Dennis. <laughs> no, no, they didn't say that. Oh, there's so there's so I many people. I think I yelled that, back a profanity. I don't know. I think we've had an impact, both positive and negative. Uh, Maybe mostly negative. An impact sure. on the industry here. I we the whole uh, industry. Eh, I think so. We we've got mm. we've got oh, people hate when this is true, but we have some. Some people that we acquaintances, friends in the industry that create some of these things. We some of our quips have become very popularized over the years. Uh, many of which they're like, there's assholes out there that use our quips uh, against me. You know, bye 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 and stuff like that. So yeah, I love. Yeah, but I love it. Well, Zach, uh, I think what's that? What's that saying? That uh, imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. Oh, they do say that. I'd like to see somebody try to. Yeah, they. Up. Whoever they are, I've heard they say it though. <sighs> I'm loving life right now. This is a great time of the year. This is a super busy time of the year. I haven't had a cigarette. I'm dying inside. But to you all, I'm alive. I'm well. I'm behind the microphone. 
And I've been doing a lot of pinball stuff this last week. What about you, Dennis? Uh, not so much. Work-wise, January, very, very rough mm-hmm. month for me. So I actually, uh, I did play a little bit of pinball. I played some Sinbad uh, because mm. I needed I needed to be short ball time. So I, you know, I couldn't be couldn't be going on a Star Trek adventure or anything. So yeah, I've done a little bit of that. And of course, we're going to talk about a little bit later in the episode. We've been gearing up for something for the end of the month. And that took up a good little chunk of time, oh, a little yeah. team effort, uh, though. And it went really smooth. So I'm pleased about that. But as I noted, we'll... We'll be getting to that in a little while. Mm-hmm. How's your back? Oh. Feel, are you feeling an improvement? You know what? Yes. Uh, no pain. I'm in no pain. That's that's good. I'm just waiting for the moment that I still do something stupid and it just it's done. It's no. gonna happen. No. No. It's, no. It's no. Do it. I don't know. It's, don't it's, do it. Honestly, it's sorry. Just... <laughs> my, my Palpatine came out. I just <laughs> couldn't help it. <laughs> Let the back pain flow. <laughs> Let the pain flow through you. Oh, you know what? At times I would become Darth Vader if it meant I had a good back. I am the epidural. I, <laughs> I am the spinal fusion. Uh, Speaking of spinal tap. <laughs> that's right. Oh, shit. It's just frustrating because I can't, I'm not allowed to do stuff. So I have to mm. ask for help and you know, Dennis, my my best friends out there know that I hate asking for anything from people. I hate it. I hate asking for help. I hate asking for things. I, I'm the type of person that if I can't do it myself, I just won't do it. It just, I hate asking for help. So I've been having to ask a lot of help because I'm, yeah. So that's all oh, that sucks to the core. It really sucks. Mm-hmm. But people like to help. And in part because it makes them feel good and in part because they can use that later and lord it over you. Uh, exactly. So it's and like win-win, really. And I overcompensate. How can just I to help you, them, Zach? Yeah, exactly. what, what critical thing would you like from me? Oh. Hey, actually, you and the TPN committee have helped a ton. As you alluded to, we will talk about uh, in the upcoming Pinball Awards. I'm excited about that. January 28th, mark your calendar, people. It's going to be a party. It's going to be mm-hmm. a real big party. Well, but speaking of backs, I hear Craig Bobby is back. I see what you did there. Okay. Yeah, he is back. He came out of the frozen tundra. Yay! He's got a big old, I, you know what? I was going to say a burly brown beard. Mm, I see the grays there, Craigie. I see the grays. He's getting old, Craig Bobby is. Wise. He's like a sage. A wizard. A, a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Craigie. <laughs> you're a wizard, Craigie. Oh, and you're, see- like a, you're like a Canadian Harry Potter. <laughs> you know what? That actually works. <laughs> That kind of works. He's a, he has a very pretty boy face. Uh, yeah, let's kick it over to CB. See what he's been up to in this week's top stories. <laughs> You're a wizard, Craigie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. A belated Happy New Year to all, and welcome back to the Pinball Show's Top Stories. I'm Craig Bobby. Yes, good to be back on the Pinball Show with Zach Manny and Dennis Creasel. So much going on in the world of pinball leading up to and over the holidays. Let's get right to it and see what New Year's resolutions our favorite pinball manufacturers are making this coming year, which is opening up a whole raft of questions. Namely, could this be the year that someone other than Stern Pinball is able to release more than one title in a single year? 
Hot out of the New Year's gate, we have Spooky Pinball, who begins their opening production run of their newest title, Scooby-Doo, and also announced this past week the addition of another well-known voice actor to its upcoming Scooby-Doo pinball machine, Scott Innes, a multi-award-winning radio personality from Cumulus Media in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, who has also voiced a number of Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters over the years. His past work includes the voices of Scooby-Doo, Shaggy, Scrappy-Doo, as well as just about every villain in the series. Scott is joining the team to voice many of the game's villains and potentially even more, so stay tuned. On to American Pinball, who is determined to prove that the pinball-buying public is clamoring for another non-licensed pinball theme and is rumored to be releasing or at least displaying its rumored upcoming Galactic Tank Force machine, GGF, for the upcoming Texas Pinball Festival in April. Will Dave Fix finally be able to leverage that amazing American pinball build quality and Amtron ownership arrangement this year to produce more than one title? And where is the next fan design home pin that American pinball supposedly wants to build and sell? The clock is ticking over at American and it's high time for them to deliver as rivals such as Spooky Pinball, Jersey Jack, CGC, Pinball Brothers and even Haggis Pinball all pulled up their socks and got better in 2022. Many questions are lurking over at Jersey Jack for 2023, like when will our next game be revealed? Will it be the rumored Godfather title, rumored to be designed by Eric Minier? And will JJP finally be able to get their pinball wagon over the two-release finish line in 2023 with an additional release of the rumored Elton John pinball machine by Steve Ritchie? If this is true, I'm sure Ritchie can't wait to bring his own former King of Flow style back to another Yellow Brick Road edition, but this time with Elton John riding shotgun. Meanwhile, in the land down under Haggis Pinball, the little pinball upstart that could continues to plug away at building their extremely well-received but slowly built Fathom Revisited machine. Things are bopping along so well now that fans are even getting up the courage to look ahead to their next possible remake release of Bally's 1981 hit Centaur. Questions abound here if Haggis has done enough to keep the pinball party rolling with so many rumors flowing in 2021 and 22 about the company's possible insolvency. But it appears the company is continuing to prove the naysayers wrong as they forge ahead by building machines and get units out to eager customers around the world. On to Chicago Gaming Company as they continue to roll out Cactus Canyon LEs and other trim levels of the same title. Could 2023 be the year that CGC finally releases that much sought after final code effort from the deceased greatest coder of all time, Lyman Sheets? And what other tricks, trinkets, and other title surprises does CGC have waiting up their sleeve for eager pinball buyers? We just can't wait! Over next to our European friends at the Pinball Brothers as they ink a deal to officially join forces with Pedretti Gaming to start a new company called Euro Pinball Corp. In its announcement, Pinball Brothers stated the following, the purpose of the new company is to provide a superior platform for large-scale manufacturing of pinball machines. Yes! 
Besides the raw capacity increase, it will allow us to run production of multiple games in parallel. All this as the Pinball Brothers look to continue producing Alien, start a full production run of the rock title Queen, and possibly announce their next title sometime later this year. And we end this segment, as you might expect, with maybe the most interesting and biggest developments in the pinball industry today with Stern Pinball. Now in the last few weeks we've seen that founding owner Gary Stern is retiring as CEO of Stern Pinball and fully handing over the reins to ex-Disney executive and current Stern Pinball president Seth Davis. Now Gary will of course stay on with the board at Stern Pinball so he's not quite gone yet everyone. However let's face it Gary and the current Stern ownership isn't getting any younger and when I hear about longtime CEOs stepping down and heavy corporate hitters like Seth Davis coming in, oh baby, times, they are a change in people. So what do you do if you're the industry leader by a country mile, can't keep up with production, and can't keep raising prices fast enough to slow the whole thing down? Well, you keep that party rolling. But what about this possibility, everyone? It wouldn't shock me in the slightest if at some point Stern and the other current owners of Stern Pinball package the whole thing up and sell to the highest bidder for a bazillion dollars of, say, five to eight times earnings. I mean, what about to the billionaire owner of JJP, what could be better than owning your own pinball company? Well, how about owning two pinball companies and taking control of 99% of the pinball market? Okay, okay, back to reality, Bobby. Let's not tilt this podcast too soon here as we're about to make our super jackpot, but the reality is so many things could happen and will happen over the coming years at Stern Pinball, that is for sure. I mean, you don't hire a new CEO like Seth Davis and expect the status quo. No, no, changes are coming, people, over at Stern Pinball, which will hopefully spell good things for the Stern product line and for the pinball hobby in general. Now, while others are desperately trying to get better, ramp up, or hell, even just get more than one title out per year, Stern Pinball is so busy and overloaded with business that they are doing the exact opposite. They're going to reduce the number of cornerstone titles they'll produce in one year, expand their production facilities, and you guessed it, raise prices yet again to the highest levels the industry has seen, as Stern continues to ride the growing wave of customers that are clamoring to buy into the exceedingly expensive hobby of new inbox pinball ownership. And while their latest release of James Bond continues to drag on and create more controversy as it stumbles along, as Stern plays fast and loose with the marketing terms like limited, include, and exclusive, leaving some James Bond 60th anniversary buyers to wonder why these same supposed exclusive or limited edition James Bond toppers, which debuted on the very limited edition 60th anniversary James Bond machines, are now being sold as a standard accessory to everyone. Then offers up its 60th anniversary James Bond machines at a whopping $20,000 US, making even JJPCE owners think they got the deal of the century. But Stern Pinball shrugs all that supposed nonsense like false promises, misdirection, or bad PR off as what else are customers going to do? Actually cancel or not order their product? Or wait for another slowly released title from one of their competitors' B, C, or D-grade licensed or non-licensed themes to get their pinball nostalgic fix? 
No, it's back in line time with thousands of other diehard well-to-do pinball fans as they line up again for the true mother of all rumored and not-so-secret pinball titles coming in the next few years. I'm talking about rumored titles like Marvel's Venom, music titles like the Foo Fighters, Eminem, and other rap, rock, or country music legends, as well as childhood favorites like, you guessed it, Harry Potter and Back to the Future. And don't get me started about the continued rollout of Stern's Insider Connector platform, which will continue to take players deeper into the world of Stern Pinball and the titles that they produce. I mean, come on, if there's a pinball fight, it's not even a fair one these days for the leaders over at Stern Pinball. The good news is the products over at Stern are simply, well, pretty much the best in almost every category from artwork to gameplay to playfield design, rule sets, and the added ability of actually being able to produce more than one title a year. So until someone presents an honest-to-goodness, steady-at-the-helm manufacturing alternative with A-grade themes, we will return to our seats, buckle up for the ride, and all smile when we see our favorite nostalgic title being represented in stern pinball form. Well, that's all for this week. For The Pinball Show, I'm Craig Bobby. Catch you on the flip side. Thanks, Craig. Well, I appreciate that uh, that thorough rundown of what's happening in the pinball news. It's good to have Craig back. The gang's all it here. It is, and his magic. We need to talk about stern pinball because... They're the only ones that really have huge <laughs> news. They're the only week. real news. Yes, yes, that's true. But this last one, I've had messages. Have you? I've had messages out the ass, people saying, I cannot wait until episode 121 so I can hear what you and Dennis Creasel have to say about the newest release from Stern Pinball, and that is James Bond 007's 60th anniversary super limited edition. Maybe we'll call it that. No, I don't want to call it that. They want to know what we think. They've heard all the other podcasters, all the media uh, pontificate and, and talk about their first impressions of what it could be, what it is, what it's going to be, how much it is, what it looks like. We've heard a little bit of you on the Eclectic Gamers podcast. Give a rundown as to some first impressions or initial thoughts of this new this new game by Stern Pinball, as well as I think uh, Joel flipping out stream. He had a talk talk stream. Uh, flipping out with friends, which I think is cute. Nicely done, Jill. Where you <laughs> you made me chuckle several times. People are going to have to go back and listen and watch that VOD. But we had a game revealed January 3rd, right after our episode 123 parter. That was a hefty episode, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a the triple layer cake of audio. Some superficial people get upset because we don't show our numbers and stuff like that. I think them numbers, like for all you petty bitches out there that care, I think that, that three combined, I think we're at like 9,000. 8,000 listens. So there you go. There's your fucking I numbers. I actually haven't looked at how those did. Whatever. I put together our annual numbers for the podcasters, but I mean, that's something we just agreed to when we set it up is that we'd give them all, any shows allowed to release their numbers if they want, but yeah. it's, you know, it's up to them. We so didn't want it to be, feel like a competition. So for, yeah, for those who care, why stop? It doesn't matter. A lot of people listen to us and we appreciate that. Thank you so much. But we didn't get to talk about this. No, we did Keith not. Keith Elwin design. How, how does nobody not love this? Keith Elwin. The greatest of all time. There's only 500 made. 500 units globally. It's themed mm-hmm. around all six different Bond eras of all, all, the, all the films. So if you didn't like Sean Connery and you actually are not old. Sorry, people. That's mean. I, just, I, just, I didn't, didn't, didn't grow up with Sean Connery. It I doesn't matter. Daniel that's what, I don't even know how to say that's Craig. That's what a tape player was Craig. for back in the days, or a Blu-ray player today. Yeah. Netflix. Daniel Craig is Bond. 
Not Sean Connery? Pushy? What were... <laughs> Your thoughts were that you think the game looks fun, but it's ugly and it's overpriced. Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a great summary yeah, thank you yeah. you've saved me a lot uh, you've <laughs> saved me a lot of speech yes that's 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 basically exactly what i said and we'll get into some of our first impressions dennis and listener but before that i just want to kind of talk about the release of this game for those of you who are unfamiliar i'm surprised because you're listening to this podcast uh being unfamiliar with it but they came out with a cornerstone designed by george gomez themed around sean connery pro premium le later on they have an even more exclusive super le that was the 60th anniversary that was keith elwin designed only one model of this design that's it only 500 units globally it came out way later than the cornerstone. So what was it going to be about? Stern Pinball ended up releasing, showing everybody on January 3rd this game. Then it went live on their website. They had a handful of them, Dennis, that they sold directly on their store. And then dealers could sell them as well. And it was a call for pricing for dealers. It was another one of these Elvira 40th anniversary special limited edition things. So call for pricing, which means it could be $100,000. It could be a dollar. You can sell it for whatever you want two dealers. I'd buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. Are you offering me one for a dollar? I'm not. Because I would actually buy it. I am not. <laughs> okay. Well, just let you know that the, the <sighs> offer stands. So the weird thing is on the Elvira 40th anniversary, they gave the dealers the option of setting the price. But on this, while they did the same, they didn't sell directly those Elviras. So we did, as dealers, have to establish a price. I would argue that Stern Pinball did set a price. Because even though they sold maybe a handful direct on their store, they listed them at $19,999 plus shipping and tax. So isn't that setting the price? Yes. And, you know, I think I, back before it was revealed, we had this discussion on part one or part two of episode 120. And yeah, it was like, it doesn't really matter if there's an MSRP or not. If Stern's selling them, that's the touchstone. Everyone's going to know what that price was. Uh, even once they sold out on the website and then it's the price is no longer listed, people still remembered what the price was. And of course it was rapidly and readily shared mm-hmm. and globally. And the, yes, very quickly. And they sold out relatively quickly. It wasn't like an instant, holy crap, it's gone. Yeah. Not like how you sold out and on this industry. <laughs> oh, you like that? That was actually that was a shell burn. Uh, nice, nicely done. <laughs> they did sell out relatively, relatively quickly. And then when they did, they marked it just uh, no price was on there anymore. And, and you know, you had your conspiracy theorists out there. Wait a minute. Wait. They're embarrassed of their price. That's why they took mm-hmm. No. Oh, was that a, was that a thing? No, was, they, I mean, because I've gone back to research what LE prices were. And once they're gone, they don't list it yeah, anymore. They just don't it's list like it anymore. Thing. It's so, just a thing they do. I don't know. People are fucking nutty out there. Some of y'all are nuts. So, yeah, they just, they sold out of them. Then it was up to the dealers to sell them. <laughs> what, are we going to sell them for more than $19,999? Hell no. Stern already set the price of that. So, that's what most dealers set the price for. Now, the odd thing is they could visually themselves directly put a $19,999 on there. Dealers are not allowed to. I've been hearing a lot of people saying, list the price, and yelling at us, why don't you list the price? And we can't. We can't. <laughs> We're not allowed to. We have to list oh. call for pricing. We can't list a price. It's That's the only rule they had. Hmm. It's, it, I don't like calling it's call them. call for price. And you know what? I want them to get into the to 21st century as well. How about <laughs> text for pricing? <laughs> yeah. It's just, what, what are they going to demand of us yeah. next, Zach? Facts for address info? Yeah, right? 
Email me for pricing. Telegram for delivery date. I mean, help Insta DM me, baby. But honestly, that that probably wasn't allowed either. And I'm not sitting here on a public forum such as this that Stern Pinball can hear and say that I text anybody the price at which we were selling them for. No, don't listen to this show. But yeah, text for price, maybe. I ain't got time to pick up the damn phone for a hundred people calling me about one single price. So dealers began selling these units. I think most of them for the same price. Some dealers held off and they said, wait, you know, there's only 500 of these damn things. We're going to, we're going to hold off. Once they sell all out, then we'll sell them higher. Uh, That's just the business model of some people. Some other dealers are going to be overly concerned. Maybe, maybe they're scared that they're not going to get $20,000. So they just, you know, clearance them off (laughs) here, here. I don't want to be stuck with all these things. Like they're all like, are there like little distro brain bugs, you know, from Starship Troopers? It's afraid. Fucking Starship Troopers. Hey, that's a pinball. That's a balser game. Uh, hello. I don't like that game. That whole flipper thing. I hate that little. It's so stupid. It's because it's on a separate button. Yes. That's why you don't yes, like it. Yes, that's why I don't like it, Joe. Stupid. So needless to say, it was an interesting Tuesday for me being a dealer. We sold out fairly quickly, mm. but we had a big long list. But then here's what happened. Oh, why drama. I'm this transparent drama always. alert. Why am I always this real to people? This is what happened. We sold out immediately. Bam. But we had a big long list too. So during that sellout, there was a lot of people that did pass. They were like, hell no, I'm paying $20,000 for this. But working down that list, we ended up selling them all out before getting to the bottom of our interested list. So that's, that is a positive for me. Right. However, we knew that they were going to start producing these things into January, early February. For those of you who didn't know that, there you go. You're welcome. So here soon. So we knew that there was going to be a big ass bill for us because we got a, you know, a decent allotment. We're one of the larger dealers. So uh, we knew there was going to be a big ass bill. So we had to take payment rather quickly. And I told customers, I was like, look, we're going to get the bill for this. So I either need a non-refundable deposit right now, a pretty hefty one, or I'm going to need full payment, whatever you're wanting to do. But here's the deadline to which I need full payment. Okay. Understood. So that next day I had five people drop out. Oh shit. Mm. And that was me admitting I at least had five. So that's probably not good, but I, I had, it wasn't a killer, but it was a holy shit. Like, damn. And they were like, yeah, I don't, I don't want this anymore. I'm like, well, shit. Wish I would have known that yesterday when I could have sold them. <sighs> so the rest of the week, it was, it was that somebody called me. Hey, I want one. All right. Sounds good. Send me an invoice. Three days go by. I'm like, uh, need, need some payment here. I don't want it anymore. Oh, <sighs> all right. And so, so it was a, it was a bit this of a is mess. very interesting to me, Zach. I did not realize the number of people on these high dollar things are, are this fickle. Yes. Yes. And then it's like these, uh, you know, what's your honest opinion, Zach? Should I, should I buy this? Should I no, tell me your dishonest opinion. That's what I want to know. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling just, you, I'm not good at this stuff sometimes because <laughs> I will tell people like, I'll be like, okay, we'll sit down. Let's, let's figure it out together because uh, yeah, there are some pros and cons here. What are we going to do? So yeah. And after the pros and cons, I will say that there is a couple media members. I won't, uh, you know, keep them. Keep them anonymous. There were a couple media members that you know that were in on this. They were ready for it. Reached out to me and I said, all right, sounds good. Let's get you. And then they were like, shit, Zach, am I, should I, should I not? I'm like, I, dude, I don't know what to tell you. Like, do what you want to do. Here's some of the things I'm looking forward to. Here's some of the things that are going against it compared to other Stern products. And one of them said, yep, let's keep it in. One of them said, no, I'm going to sit this one out. 
So yeah, it is a it is a up and down time because then people think about it and then you've got other people in their ear. You're an idiot if you buy this game. How dare you? We're, you know, uh, and they just they don't want to feel like you know they're making a mistake. And if they have people telling right. them like you're a complete and utter piece of shit if you decide to buy this game and you're the problem with this entire industry if you enjoy this game <laughs> or have the means to buy it, then yeah, they they're like, well, damn, I don't I don't want to be that person. So. So yeah, you do get back and forth. Right. No, no. I and I and I understand that. In fact, I think that's where some people have been I'm gonna use Halloween and Ultraman as an example. I think that's where some of the people, some of the owners who have reacted really negatively to negative criticism of the game are coming from. Like they feel like that criticism is is somehow uh like besmirching them, saying mm, yeah. that they were stupid for buying a game or they're stupid for liking a game. And you know what? It's a game. You can like things that other people don't like I, but on the on the flip side like as because i give criticism of games of course when we we talk about these things sure. that i think that this is overpriced does not mean to someone else that it is not an acceptable price mm-hmm. and whether you disagree or agree with me is is moot so like if i don't like a particular game it doesn't mean you're not allowed to like it right mm-hmm. and i i sometimes i go out and then explicitly say this and when i notice some people seem to have trouble with that are there actually people going around calling people stupid and stuff for buying it? Because yes, that's really it happens every time. Well, uh, yeah, I guess I'm not really surprised that it happens. I, I've never seen the value in that. Just say like, if you think it's a bad deal, say why you think it's a bad deal. Um, but beyond that, you know, if yeah. you if someone else still loves it and thinks that that the price is reasonable, it's like okay, well, they made their decision. Just I'll, be informed. I will. That's always, all I ever ask. Is I'll be always informed. go back to that too, where it's you can say it's overpriced. In my opinion, it's overpriced. I don't think there's any problem with that. That's good discussion. But yeah, it's whenever you're trying to hurt people just because they're excited and wanting to buy something. That's where I'm like, fuck off. Uh, And that does affect people. It affects people's moods. It affects people's feeling of belonging to a community. It affects affects a lot of things for people. So I'm uh, I'm not always good with that. And that's usually where I'm like, okay. Enough is enough. Well, that's something I, Zach, have have questioned on my end as well. Like, I've wondered at times, am I sometimes too harsh? Because I want to be as as blunt and direct about my my stance on games as possible. But then there are people that that react in ways that make me think that they took it personally when it wasn't meant that way. <laughs> you know what? It almost, you remind me of what Keith Elwin, how he describes his 60th anniversary in the recent podcast by the Stern Insider Pinball Podcast, otherwise known as SIP. Uh, when he, I think you're very much like this game where he called it, quote, drainy but fair. I think that's you. You're drainy <laughs> but fair. Drainy but fair. That, I didn't <laughs> hear this interview, but it sounds like, so this is the new tight but this findable. This is the new tight but findable. Drainy but findable. <laughs> Drainy, but fine. And I think that's you. It's drainy, but fair. And we're going to talk about how media covers certain releases in the future, maybe in a, maybe in a pinball market trend segment upcoming. But mm. I do want to tell, I do want to direct people over to the Triple Drain Pinball Podcast. Travis Meary and the team over there had a really informative discussion about this release and the pricing, et cetera. Go give that a listen. Many, many great points made uh, by Travis Meary. He's in the industry now. Uh, he's working for a distributor. So he gets it. A lot of what he said, I very much agree with. There was one particular thing that he, uh, that he was harping on that I do not agree with. He talked about Mm. this product being created, not for pinball buyers, but for James Bond super fans. 
He said that was a primary focus. Thus, everybody listening to this podcast, like this isn't for you. You're you're missing it. There's only 500 made. This is for the diehard Bond fans. They'll spend $150,000 on a watch. They will spend half a million dollars on a car. They will spend anything James Bond they will spend. He sees this as a James Bond super fan product. I wholeheartedly disagree. And I'll tell you why. What are your thoughts? I actually agree with Travis, and I think you're wrong. Okay. Why is that? Not the why I'm wrong, because I'm right. And oh, I'll tell you no, why, no, no, no. Oh, why, why do, do you I really think, think this, that this is a product that was solely created for the Uber fan? I think that that's the target audience. I, I'm not going to go and say solely, obviously. Stern doesn't care who buys it, right? It's going to, they just want to sell them. Very true. So Very true. why do I think that it's targeted towards the Bonds, Bond super fans is because anyone with a lot of experience in the hobby looking at the game, looking at the price point, will understand that the price point is the price point because of the limited nature of the game. It has nothing to do primarily with the bill of materials. The bill mm. of materials does not justify this price point. If this was a game for pinball collectors, it wouldn't be limited and it'd be sold at a cheaper price point. The limited nature seems to be structured to try and move it towards Bond superfans. So that's why I think Travis is correct in this instance. I think he's incorrect because that feeling that a lot of us had about the launch of not only the Cornerstone James Bond game, but the, the 60th anniversary game, this this back and forth, this, uh, this is cool, but th- this is weird. Why did they roll? The licensure kind of sucks. What is up with th- this? Is str- it's $20,000, but it's a, it's a single level game. We're kind of confused and mixed emotion-wise. I think Stern Pinball was kind of the same way. I think that they lacked control of a lot of the aspects of this product launch and product in general because of the IP holder and having 500 products is much smaller than their typical LE runs now or their pro or premium runs. So it was a a small product, 500. And when I say 500, I mean, that's the only way you can play this damn game is 500. You you can't play an LE and say, well, but the premium is kind of the same game. The pro is kind of the same game. That's 5,000 units plus, you know, no, this is 500. So I think Stern kind of got wrapped up and mixed up with a super niche little set subsets of who the target audience were, but they contradicted one another. I don't think this was for super Bond fans because to me, a a James Bond aficionado listener, they're going to buy the coolest shit that is James Bond. And that that's a, that's a pro pinball machine. That's a, maybe a premium pinball machine. Y'all, y'all think you, you James Bond collection is cool? Check out mine. I got the damn pinball machine. Boom. It ain't, well, you did, but did you get the 60th anniversary, James? No, because they don't have, they can't focus that closely in on an industry that they're not familiar with. James Bond pinball is James Bond pinball. This game is a single level pinball shooter's dream. This is for a competitive pinball player. This is for a deep-seated, just crazy, crazy pinball fan. The problem, in my opinion, this is this is a stretch here, but don't uh, don't bury the pitchforks in the back. I don't know how many uber competitive people that this is geared towards are really high-end pinball collectors. I think this was geared towards the uber pinball fan. Why else have Keith Elwin on it? Why else have, uh, notably, lack of assets in this that any Bond fan would not appreciate? I think this was competitive pinball players' dream, this game, 
And you're hearing that in media. You're hearing that on the forums. People who play in tournaments, people who really get into the physicality and the play of pinball, they're eating this shit up. The problem is, those aren't necessarily the same people that spend $20,000 on a Toten remake because it's got cool toys, bells, and whistles that they don't play a lot. That's where I think it's it, it got mixed up there. I think this was geared towards the, the Uber pinball fan more than anything, but that might not be the market of which is going to pay $20,000 plus for a product. Does that make sense? Well, it. It does, though. I th- I think you're commingling uh, what Elwin did versus what Stern Pinball did. I think what Elwin so, did was this product. Well, yes, uh, obviously the product is Elwin's design, and Elwin's made a game that, and that's what I think a lot of people are lamenting is this is so clearly a player's game, a pinball aficionado, a, mm-hmm. a true player's game, a, a game that players would appreciate. However, purportedly. The licensor demanded the single level aspect. They the licensor this, yes. is who said it needed to be more throwback in style mm-hmm. and li- you know limited in what its asset resources would be and all of that sort of thing. Elwin just worked his magic on a single level design because that's what the mandate was. And as he had noted, he had time in between cornerstones to be mm-hmm. able to do the work. So that's why he's on it. But – it, I don't think Stern was like, we got to make it for the super players. I think Stern was like the licensor, this whiny licensor who has been super difficult to work with, now wants a super high-end limited version for James Bond super fans. And I do disagree with I, – I know where you're coming from about like the Bond super fans not going to know the difference between like uh, Gomez, Bond, LE, this, uh, a Bond pro. Yeah. but. They're not uh, while they're not familiar with pinball, they're they're not total idiots either. Like mm-hmm. they're able to tell all the different Omega LE wristwatch. Bond. There are multiple LE watches at different price points that Omega does for James Bond. Uh, but, they're able to tell that, that uh, it's a press release. All it takes is to know that all it takes. No, I'm not waiting. All it takes. All it takes is that this one was limited to 500 and the other one was limited to 1,000 for them to know that this is the more special one. That's all it takes. No. Bond wore the Omega watch. Bond drove the Aston Martin. That's why the specifics and the details mattered. He didn't play a pinball machine in any of the films, so it's a moot point, I think. Well... That's it's incorrect a because a number a number of the Bond limited edition watches are not the watches that were worn in the movies. Okay, all right. That's, there, that's some a great are, point. That's some great are, point. Uh, and historically, the Bond watches were watches that are just part of the catalog that aren't even limited. That Omega now probably with the work of the licensor now makes special watches, mm-hmm. you know, honoring Bond, like having the animated opening sequence on the back of the watch, uh, you know, that you see with the movement and st- just weird stuff that's designed just for collectors that's not in the films. Mm. So, no, it's I, I I see where I see where what your argument is on all of that. But the Bond, as you noted, the, the challenge, of course, is and I agree with you, most like competitive player, most pinball players in general are not the high end, high dollar expenders. And to see a a layout that this may be unfair of me, but I'm going to say only really experienced pinball people are probably going to truly appreciate. It's unfortunate to see and it behind a paywall like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm the single level. Yeah, you better not call it, Joel. Better not call it a fucking street level. Whoa. <laughs> no, it's not a street level. This price point tells you it is not a street level. Um, not to mention the custom hat, and which is in no way the slash hat. We promise the, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just wanted to work that in. Uh, 
You know, well, let me ask you a question, uh, given all I of this. I can't wait to give, talk about that. I can't wait. Yeah, I've been I, itching. I, I almost did a podcast you, last week solo I, just to I talk about this, up, this. I brought this up as a, as a theory. This is, totally, you know, this is me totally speculating. What do you think about my idea that after they're all done with this, and, you know, I don't think they ever work with this licensor ever again anyway. No, I don't think but, so. But regardless of that, you know, once the sales are done, the sales are done. What do you think the odds are that Stern at some point goes ahead and reuses this layout? on a non-bond game and just says here you go i think i think the the odds are moderate that they will if anyone at stern that makes decisions is listening don't do it do it do not do it do it you know why oh tell me this why might give me some emails oh, that's the pinball network at gmail.com at gmail.com you know why because i think that at 19999 I think that's the right price. I really do. You're giving me 500 games that are going to be spread across the entire globe that nobody can buy. Uh, you know, I can buy. I got the the Supreme, but I can buy the Spider-Man Home Edition. and No, no there's 500 people. It's Keith Elwin. And if you want to play this damn Keith Elwin game, you got to pony it up for 500 units. You can't buy a pro. You can't buy a premium. This is the right price. And... It's special because there are people like me. And guess what, listener? I am proud to say my ass is unboxing one of these things. Hell yeah. And I am incredibly excited to play this game. I'm excited to the point that, uh, sure, that's a little niche little area that high-end collectors, but also somebody that really plays the hell out of pinball and enjoys the flow and the feel of pinball. There's plenty of us out there. I'm one of them. I'm one of those 500 people. And it makes it even more special for people like me because not that I can afford this game, but I can f- afford to take a flyer on this game. I can afford to give it a, a chance. You know, it's all calculated. What's the worst that's going to happen? I lose a couple grand. What's the best that's going to happen? I, I make a couple grand. Who cares? I get to play a game there's only 500 of, and it's not going to totally, I'm not going to lose my ass. You know, if it goes down, just like most other pinball machines right now in the softer market, this is 500. They nailed the price. I don't see this. And here's the other thing. For all those people, listener, you might be guilty of it. They said, you know, if they, I, I don't want to pick on Joel, but God, it made me cringe when I heard him say, you know, if they price this thing at eight or $9,000, I guess that's my Joel impersonation. Mm. They price this thing at eight or $9,000, they would have sold a shitload of them. No, they wouldn't have, because you know why? Because the listeners, and I'm guilty of it too, would bitch and whine about that too. You mean to tell me this thing costs $10,000? Oh my God, you know how many more they could have sold if it was $5,000? Oh, fuck. No, it's $20,000. There's only 500 made. I'm eating it up. And I don't yeah, think but, you're, but sh- you're a collector, Zach. See, and there's see, 500 you, you, of us out there. No, it doesn't matter. You because here's why you brought you already brought up the reason why you, I I get your angle, but it's uh, it's irrelevant. You people like you are going to get sucked into this anyway because of the 500 unit. You know, it's limited. It's special. It's 500. Twenty thousand makes sense at the 500. Da da da. Supreme already proves that. Even when the layout had already existed, you can still find plenty of people to overpay on a whole bunch of games as long as they're limited. So in that, yeah. why not let it work backwards? Let this game go, sell the 500. Two years later, this gets thrown in as one of the options for the for the contract games. So Heavy Metal 2.0 comes out and it uses this layout. 
and people are paying 10. No, because you're tar- And it doesn't affect tarnishing. you because you still you you're still only have price. one of the 500 bond versions. And we yeah. know that hardcore pinball collectors don't all of a sudden get out of the hobby all of a sudden because their layout got – technically, anyone can take anyone else's layout. You can't copyright the layout. So No, because I, I'm still firm on my argument that the people that are spending the $20,000 for this game are people like me that I'm spending the money because of that layout. It sure as hell is not because of James Bond. It's not because of the art. It's not because of the sound. It's not because of the assets. I'm paying $20,000 for Keith Elwin. I own his other sure. I own his other games. I want to play this I one. I understand. I understand it. I I per, you know, for me, as much as I enjoy his layouts, I don't see $20,000 worth of fun on that on well, that playfield. Name a name maybe a game I could that you can 10. say that too though. None. That's why I don't own any $20,000 no, games. No, I'm saying Zach. Uh, I'm saying any game. That's a that's a point that doesn't make sense to me either. You still buying no. eggs? Like well, that's relative to anything. So if that argument's going to be made, I've been primed on this shit because I've, this is what I'm hearing from people. If that's well, the argument people made, have, people then that's make the argument's going to be judgment. made for every product that comes people out. People make a value judgment. They'll assess how, like how many, part of it would be like, how many games do I think I'm going to play on it? And am I going to assess those games at a set value amount? And of course, as you noted, you can factor in like, what do you think that you're going to be able to sell the game for? Yeah. I can't know for sure that I'd only take a $2,000 loss. We've seen other games, Halloween and Ultraman, that have dropped more than 2000 People thought Supreme was crazy too when it came out. I still don't understand that thing with Supreme because that either. layout was that's, readily that's, that's available in a much more affordable game. But again, that was because it was Supreme super fans who went and bought that. But who designed that game? Uh, was that a Gomez design? I don't remember. Exactly. Exactly. I think it was Gomez. But my point being, the selling point here is keep that one. And no, I, that's, this is why... It, it, in my mind, the only reason there are anybody, any people who are pissed about this is because Keith Elwin's games have always had an accessible option. And this is the first time that it does. It's not true. Yeah. People. That's and, why they're mad. And people no, are I, getting I totally understand angry. it. And that's. I don't get the that's, anger. I don't get it. I get the. It's. It's. Eh, it's, uh, it's visceral. It's visceral. It's just, you know, people like if you went out, let's say you you got in the hobby and you're like, oh, my God, Keith Elwin is the greatest designer ever. And I bought Iron Maiden and I bought Jurassic Park. You know, you've got them all. And you're like, you've been so like you save up and you're always like, I'm in on it all. I'm in on it all. And then all of a sudden there's one and you just you can't swing it like you don't have twenty thousand dollars available to get it. And you're like, all I do is collect Elwin games and my streak is broken. (laughs) My whole plan is ruined. Yeah. I mean, that's what some of it could very well be. I just don't, I don't, I don't believe that either because somebody that's willing to have a collection and buy $9,700 premiums can buy a $20,000 super Ellie. Nah, I get why you think that. It's but true. If, if, no, it's not. It is it's, true. They're what, choosing not to. No, it's not necessarily true. It's not necessarily true. I mean, it, it comes down to, you know, you might be able to say, well, they could find a way to swing it. But if they say, let's say they set aside a certain amount of money a month and they basically earn enough money to buy a premium a year, telling them that they can now go up to $20,000 without compromising a collection, assuming this collection is only Elwin games and that selling one means they broke their whole plan, it doesn't work. Mm. You could say, well, they could get a loan or something. But now we're, we're changing the rules of how they choose to approach affording pinball machines. Yeah, I, not, when I look, not at the, everyone who has nine thousand dollars to play with has twenty thousand dollars to play with. It doesn't work like that. The, not for I think, everyone. I think it does if they have a collection of games. That's what I'm saying. 
I'm saying they got that five to I, ten I pinball machines they, and they're buying like, premiums. They they let, let, they can like, do twenty. Let's use me as a as a as an example. So let's say I'm I'm willing to have a certain dollar amount in my collection. Mm-hmm. You could argue that I could sell two or three of my games and get this game, and that it would be true. Sure. I could do it. But if let's say I said, all right, the, I have set games that can never leave. Bolted to the floor. Got the bolted <laughs> to the floor. I'm not driving bolts through my floor, people. And come even on, if come, you I did, there's ratchets. The bolts come out pretty easy. It's not that big of a deal. They're going. So let's say that I could only sell my Buck Rogers, like my only dispensable game at this point, and all the others are keepers. So it's like, okay, well, how much will I get for Buck Rogers? Less than $2,000. Mm-hmm. So can I afford the other 18 that I would need? And what's my what was my pinball budget? And now there are two other things also. It's what can I afford and what do I budget for play money in this hobby? Mm-hmm. A lot of people can't cross that. Like they set a rule for themselves and they can't, even if they could, quote unquote, afford it. It's like, well, yeah, I could afford it if I take money away from the the fund I had to replace my car in two years. I mean, yeah. I, it's all choices. You can, you know, yeah, they are. There are choices, but there are people that had plans and those plans, and this is, I'm not this sort of collector, so I'm chewing my best to to sympathize with what they think. But and they're just like, I can't do it. I'd have to break them all, all my rules to mm. do it, and I'm not going to break my rules because that would show how weak of a person I am. And so, and to that, I would say, and totally fine. Only only 500 of us that need to, you know. That's why I think Stern nailed it. Well, they only need 500 of them. No, no. I, I think Stern, the majority uh, will feel the way you do, and that's okay. It no, wouldn't have been okay if there's 5,000. That 10, and that's 000. where. That's where it's hard for me. That's where I, I try and sympathize. But again, I would, to me, it would just be like, just, I would just, well, it's what I've done with it. I just let it go. I'm like, I just okay, see- at this price point, I'm not willing. It's not, the value isn't there for me. So I let it go. It's Perfectly just not a fine. game I will get. I don't see the whole, like when I think of a product like this, it's the same thing with the toppers. I've said over and over uh, to me, I don't look at the $20,000. I'm, I'm waging Am I going to lose money? Am I going to gain money? Is there, what, what's the window, the best accurate hypothesis I can have for a window uh, of gain or loss here? Just, you know, just cause I don't want to, I don't want to lose my ass. What's the difference between doing that and 90% of these retail stores for pinball that you buy data East for fucking four to $5,000 and they're $3,000 over price. It's the same thing. You're going to, if you lose, you're going to lose about the same as you would. So that's what's relevant to me. But does anybody mm-hmm. talk about that? How did, no, nobody really talks about it. Well, it's, it's retail. I mean, you're going to, you're going to lose your ass on retail. So, well, I, there's just so many angles here that I don't get the, I don't get the hostility. And no, I'm I, no, I, I, I'm I, 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 I think it's pretty easy to understand why in an industry where $20,000 just isn't done, that it all of a sudden is done. That <laughs> causes people to get upset mm-hmm. because you require that amount, regardless of whatever arguments you have. Existing pinball machines are not illiquid, you know, or they are illiquid assets. You have to turn them into cash. Mm-hmm. You know, a dealers aside, that might take you know do some trade deals for you, of course. But of course, yeah. so so the point is, not everyone has twenty thousand dollars readily, liquidly available that might have had enough money to buy a, a bond premium. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's just support. Now, are there 500 that do? Yes, I do think so. But this is where and for I those- do, I do believe because it doesn't affect, it doesn't affect you as a soon to be unboxing bond 60th person. Mm-hmm. It 
based off of the feedback and the excitement for Keith's layout, I think it would make a lot of smart business sense for Stern to consider at some point reusing this layout on a more produced game. Different license, but more produced. That is uh, that is a big risk because, because then, why? Because the, you're you're slapping like in the you, face the people who matter. are willing to buy. It doesn't the big matter. Ones. You're going to buy the next LE anyway. And they already know what sort of buyer you I, are. I completely agree with that. Buyer. I completely agree. An with easy that. buyer. Because I, I can think be, they can rely on it. I think they can rely on it. Put Back to the Future. I can be had. I forget very easily. So yeah, sure. Great point there. Great point there. Selfishly. I don't want to see him do it. I'd rather than reuse the James no, Bond no, thing. I, I understand why the 500 wouldn't want it to happen. I'm just saying from a business standpoint, nope, it's a win to do it later. Just and if later. I'm Keith Elwin, I don't know. Cause the, I think the obvious thing, if you're Keith Elwin, you want most people playing that you want. I don't know. I think if I'm Keith Elwin, I'm like, you know what? I want it to be special. I, I do want this to be if special. If he earns a commission on each sale, if I was Keith, I'd be like, you know what? Reuse it 20 times. I don't care. That's pretty I think it's commonplace that there's commissions for designers and stuff. I don't know who and what company, but, and that's something that goes back, I think. Um, so I, yeah, it's, it's just something I had heard. I'm just saying like, and if they want, if somebody wants a single level play style, like this game offers, you can play Beatles. You can, you can go back to the Gottliebs of the world. You can go back to the Williams of the world, the Bally's of the world. You'll get that same type of You're not of really feel. saying every single level is the same, are you? I'm not saying that. I'm saying okay. there are attributes to this designed game that you can find elsewhere. And you're that's not going to yes. have to pay $20,000 for it. Yes, that's true. So there's, there's no reason to be mad. There's This is a single level thing. And am I sounding like I'm saying there's not $20,000 worth of fun here? Maybe. Maybe I am saying that. Is there $10,000 worth of fun in a Led Zeppelin premium? I don't know. It's all relative. I, it's all relative. I agree with you. I don't think people should be mad, but I think it's fair for them to be disappointed. Uh, all they want to. Yep. All they want. I to. just, but I don't see any reason to get angry about pinball to that, in that no. realm. I mean, this is not, this is not life or death stuff here, guys. Can it's, we just, can we not agree for me? Uh, we'll get, we'll get into the features. This game looks fucking badass. This yes, game no, looks that, fun that, as again, hell. That's why so many people are are disappointed at the price point because they can look at this and go, you know what? This looks like a lot of fun. Yes. It's so clever because it's it looks simple, but I know how this game is going to shoot without even touching the flippers yet. I can sense it. I can see it. I can see the ball pass. I can see the banks and locations that I'm familiar with on older style games that I like where that's at. The inline drop targets, the, the figure eight swoop. Even the little, the right, far right shot for the bonus. You can do a combo shot that spins all four opto spinners in this. I can't wait to play this freaking game. In conclusion, my thought regarding the price of this all, since it's the first time I'm talking about the price of this, how many units are out there, people's feedback and what they thought about all of this. Here's where I'm at. I think we all can agree it looks fun as hell. I think we can all agree that we're excited about anything that Keith Elwin does. For those of you who can manage the price for this pinball game and they would like to play it and buy it and purchase it, please do not feel bad for all the other people who want to bring you down about purchasing something you're capable of being an adult making a decision to purchase. Be proud. Be proud that you're somewhere in your life that you can buy shit you want. You can take flyers on stuff like this. Don't be discouraged about that. It doesn't mean you're not taking a position by purchasing a product saying anything about people who don't want to or can't. You're just saying this thing looks cool. 
I can manage to purchase this thing, take a risk for this thing, or potentially invest in this thing. Don't feel bad about that. And if you do, contact me and I'll keep this shit anonymous. And nobody's got to know that you bought one and you're having a fucking blast in your game room all to yourself and to your buddies. I'll keep it secret. But I am waving the flag of Bond 60th and I can't wait to rip in, uh, rip into this. Watch the game suck. <laughs> and that concludes part one of episode 121 of the Pinball Show. Thanks for listening. We still have so much more to discuss, such as Dennis and I going over our first impressions of the actual James Bond 60th anniversary game, as well as that controversial exclusive topper. And you're going to love 121's Pinball Market Trends. Go listen to it now, or take a break, or whatever the hell you want. Just go listen to it.